Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hello and welcome to Imp's WWE Adventures podcast on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, and this is your quick look back at the WWE week that was. 30 minutes and I'm off to bed. You can help the podcast out by giving a five-star review. You can also give a donation directly to Imp through Red Circle and become one of the amazing community by joining the Social Suplex Discord. Link is in the description. Listen to the other top-notch shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And what a week it was. Smackers and Raw rolling onto the Rumble. NXT as well setting up their Vengeance Day nicely. We had an interesting week with Raw hit by the snow. Smackdown from Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> Obviously by the voice did for that uh, place. Don't, don't really know it. I can't point to Nebraska on a map. <laughs> I'm not American. <laughs> you know, Americans can't really point to a lot of European countries or especially Middle Eastern countries. Yeah, if you give me a map of America and say point to Nebraska, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And with that, it'll be my quick, smooth transition over to Friday Night Smackdown. Bloodline tried to take control of Smackers, those devilish rude bastards, but British authority always wins out in the end. <laughs> so there's one thing you can take away from this show. Is it a learn from history, guys? Triple H has learned from history. He's writing it into the show. The British always win. A nice show of power by Nick Aldis, establishing him as a competent authority. Just for the point of the episode, right? It's about establishing the British. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. Punishing the bloodline for both their actions and Roman's absence. Booking a six-man tag main event. And sans Roman just means find a friend. Or is it handicapped, baby? <laughs> main event. Uh, Orton, Knight and Styles versus Jimmy Solo. And no, they don't need none. The uh, Bloodline lads taking out Vandy Pandy on the ramp. And that's their uh, little cheeky idea. A little clever, clever idea. Just a cheeky evening of the odds. Uh, that they didn't need anybody because they're going to take out Vandy. Instead, they just set up old Randall Keith for a nice night resting <laughs> before his music hit again for the hot running. Slide right in and hit an RKO. A bad night for the Bloodline. Taken out with Solo, even powerbombed through the announce table with all three challenges at the Rumble now running with momentum. And for me, that's what this was all about. It's really not very long to the Royal Rumble. You've had your match established last week. Now give momentum to the villains this time to give a reason for Roman Reigns to come back and shout at his people just to create that little illusion where we don't, none of us believe he's going to lose at the Rumble. But at least give us something to come out of the Rumble, which is what they did last year. Obviously, to a much grander degree. Where, yes, we don't believe last year that Kevin Owens was ever going to beat Roman Reigns, but none of us cared <laughs> because of the whole Sami Zayn stuff with all of that drama. Now, here, it's somewhat, it's building up something 
where, yeah, we don't expect Roman to lose. However, there are multiple things at play here. Yeah, there's the whatever the hell's going on with AJ stuff. There's the dynamic within the bloodline. Roman Reigns is not happy with, with Jimmy Uso. And the way the bloodline is right now, we're just creating that friction of, well, what will happen? What is actually going to happen? What's going to come out of it? There is that still that bloodline intrigue, even though it's nowhere near at the level that it was last year. Especially just in terms of like character arc point, as in where we are at the time. Because it was like a huge moment we're building up to for ages last year. This time it's the starting point or something, which is very, very different. <laughs> That's like, oh, it doesn't feel like last year. Well, yeah, but diff- there are different stages of his story this time. It makes no sense that it would be. But yeah, it's, it's nothing more than that. A perfectly fine, fun main event. Not really a lot to talk about, which is great for podcasts. <laughs> it was perfectly fine. Smack's main event did its job. Uh, really, the other things I really want to talk about... So, uh, as an Englishman, uh, Tyler Bate and Butch have a boys' coffee date. <laughs> I obviously want to talk about this. Birmingham mates, Tyler Bate, trying to help his friend find himself. Hearing the phrase, unbelievable techers, being said without any irony <laughs> on the WWE show, that is uh, just a, a culture whoosh, shock wave for the British. <laughs> it's just, that, you can't say unbelievable techers on WWE TV without any ounce of irony. At least when Zack Sabre Jr. is doing it, it's like it's the name of a team. He names all of his stuff out of random British references, and it's, it's another British reference. It's like, this time it's just said within a sentence from Tyler Bate, just unironically. <laughs> Not a sense of irony. Uh, but, but that means they're bringing Pete Dunne, no proper Pete Dunne. Butch is finding his inner Pete Dunne, his inner bruiserweight to bring that back out. And I was saying last week that they don't have to change his name straight to Pete Dunne. They don't have to do such a huge shift and change about. They can, personality-wise, make him the Bruiserweight. Maybe, though, you don't have to call him Bruiserweight Butch. (laughs) You don't have to. (laughs) But, you know, if he finds that inner character with him, or even just just put Pete Butch Dunne, like, just the things together, like he did with his Twitter, immediately. And immediately I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's fine. Vince gets his Butch, and the rest of us get Pete Dunne. (laughs) That works perfectly fine. It's... They're all part of it. They're all together. That's something that, uh, in terms of, like, if you're doing a shift like this, I don't need them to completely abandon everything Butch stands for in a, th- in a thing of, ah, that was just a shitty Vince idea. We're <laughs> moving on to something actually good now. Yeah, he was one of those guys that Vince was never going to say anything in, but Triple H clearly did from minute one with a lovely little segment with uh, he and Tyler. It's the fact that they staged it. There's a coffee date as well. <laughs> so, hey, up, hey up. go ahead, Pete. I'll take you out. I'll give you a lovely, you have a lovely cup of coffee and a talk, all right? And he gets there, so like, we need to calm your shack for Pete. <laughs> this is not the vibe I would have ever pictured <laughs> for like, putting a team together with a WWE and a babyface team at that as well. Uh, Bianca Belair faced the odds of full force damage control. I'm sure that that group will be lasting long past the Rumble. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, tickle, tickle. It's <laughs> setting up the Royal Rumble, which feels very, very damage control heavy. The men's rumble feels very raw side, whilst the women's feels very SmackDown. And a big deal of that is to do with the damage control stuff. I say it feels very SmackDown. It's very SmackDown, plus Becky, who feels like a very strong contender for the winner. Bailey feels like the person you use to kick off her WrestleMania story at the Rumble. Be that with her team taking it, like kicking her out or whatever. But I did love the note here. Because I feel like I've, I've applauded Triple H for being a lot better with the subtle side of the storytelling. But I feel like when you're telling s- some stories, that subtlety isn't really what you need if you want to try and get everybody on board. And that's what this was. It's abandoning all of the subtlety we'd kind of seen since Asuka joined up with Damage Control, since we got, and Kavi Sane came back. But since we got that new lineup of people, 
this was the first time that we actually truly got to see something that wasn't subtle. <laughs> Just right enough. And to be fair, it wasn't like amazingly subtle beforehand, but this is, you know, the idiots can follow this. <laughs> this is, okay, at this point, we're going to have a thing happen right in front of you. It's going to be really prolonged, really dramatically played out. And we're going to have commentary just repeat everything that's happening and react to it in real time. So you're seeing it, you're hearing it again from the commentators, and then you hear it again from the commentators that they explain of what you've just seen. The nice spot was Bianca was down on the outside, right in front of the damage control lasses. Bailey selling the knee in the ring and grabbing the ref's attention. Classic heel move you see all the time. Distracting the referee, Bianca Belair down on the outside, right in front of the group, and the baddie group did nothing just stood there scratching their heads in their idle animations <laughs> just like uh uh do we uh I don't know, like, oh we could get probably not probably not but i absolutely loved just <laughs> that in terms of the implications where if the vibe that they're going for is bailey being that person in the friend group but the friend group doesn't actually like her it's like yeah dakota kai's pulling her along and drag <laughs> pulling her leg <laughs> dakota kai they're doing a really good job of setting her up as the maestro that like she's the one whenever it becomes extremely apparent <laughs> that the rest of the group do not like bailey dakota kai wants to give a reason to explain why they were doing that she's the mediator she's the one that holds the group together but in reality she's the one manipulating bailey the most it's like ah oh, i love it <laughs> And this was, for me, we're at that point now, there's only this SmackDown and one more before the Rumble. And of course, the last one is the one right before the Rumble. I feel like it is, it's perfectly fine to not quite be as subtle <laughs> at this point, where you, you want to make sure that everybody has the biggest reaction possible when the spot happens in the Rumble, whatever it may be. I would like my storytelling to be subtle and to be done in the same level of way or whatever. But I feel like when it comes to wrestling, you don't always have to be like that. <laughs> Especially when you have been doing it like that for months and then you're like two weeks out of the big spot. It's like, okay, just to make sure every single person is on the same level here, let's just do a really blatant spot <laughs> where every single person can understand what's happening. Because they, they hung on this. <laughs> like it's immediately goodbye Kevin Dunn as they just, they hang on this shot. Just in their idle animations, just staring. It's like, uh which then builds to the Bailey thing of where she can't say out loud, why didn't you do anything? Because that would give the game away to the referee. Yeah, sort of the going out the window at a certain point is absolutely fine. Uh, but yes, Maccas was a building block, if not anything exceptional or really noteworthy or didn't really give any reason for you to watch it. If you didn't watch SmackDown this week, you could have absolutely skipped it. I gave the talking points here. The only one I didn't really go into detail was that Paul Heyman was actively looking for that third partner for a bit before being afterwards, just, just the whole thing of, you know what, no, we're the bloodline, we don't need anybody, as if that was the plan all along. <laughs> but it, it says, like, the, the main point of this, it's kind of sowing the seeds of bloodline. I mean, the final line in the commentators, actually, where as they're going off the air, the commentators are asking the question, is this the time for the bloodline where they're at their weakest? They're showing those crumbling signs. Obviously trying to convince us, the viewer, that something could happen at the Rumble. The bloodline is crumbling. They are not a stable foundation at all right now. Could This could be the end, right? Obviously to try and convince you that Roman could lose, which he's never going to do. However, there's also the other tease. What happens to the bloodline from the fallout of the Rumble and the entire build of the Rumble as we go to WrestleMania and the other stuff, you got both Cody and The Rock breathing down his neck. Who on earth wins the Rumble can massively just shift whatever happens with the bloodline. There's a lot of play here. But also, it's really important if you are about to destroy the bloodline to show the cracks, show that in its later days it isn't stable. Because what empire is when it falls? Anyway, move on to uh, Monday night, live from the winter snow of Little Rock. My God, it looks God, it was cold over here as well. And never mind, I saw how incredibly cold it was here in uh, America. So cold that Seth Dragonbreath was visible during his backstage interview. <laughs> that is cold. <laughs> 
Let's switch over to Monday Night Raw. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And it is time for our main event. The Night Raw, live from Little Rock, starring Jinder Mahal. Oh, yeah, we're immediately jumping into the Jinder Mahal stuff. Oh, yeah, bubba. <laughs> Not a lot to talk about from SmackDown. My God, there's stuff to talk about from Raw. <laughs> so, how was the main event? It was... After this whole past week of everything that happened with the whole USA tweeting about, oh, what about the cage match rating with the whole Tony Khan things where he went on about the whole Jinder Mahal stuff with the whole people comparing Jinder Mahal to Hook and both sides doing the whole big like tribalism thing when it didn't matter. Building to a point where cage match had to issue a statement and say, please leave us out of your bullshit (laughs) tribalism. We don't care about it. We do not want to be a host for that stuff. If you do that, we will ban you. What's obviously happened then is the certain side that they wanted to complain against, like the Meltzers and whatnot. Especially there's a small, a very small WWE like stand demographic that are that will use all these little things. And it's uh, it's in that world of like using the buzzwords or whatever. Uh, Rich and James did a really good thing about like the whole like angry side of Twitter right now with the post truth kind of world. What I, what's happened this week is cage match has just become the latest buzzword to use in your engagement posts if you're that kind of tweeter. There's like ah. Oh, Obviously, obviously, the cage match saying, please just leave us out of this. Nothing bullshit. <laughs> we do not want to be part of this. That has then, for those people, shifted cage match into other buzzwords like Tony Khan and AEW. It's like, ugh, it's put, it's put cage match in the bracket with them. When cage match were like, no, we don't get out of it. We don't care about all that stuff. <laughs> That's not what we are. But anyway, all of that happened. <laughs> it was spurring off of Jinder Mahal, Seth Rollins being announced. And it's this whole big thing. They spent all night as well making it feel like a big match, a big main event, giving each other, giving each guy like little promo segments and doing promo packages as well to build it up as this is a big main event. Seth Rollins, Jinder Mahal. After all of that, all of that BS, the kind of conversation that brought into this, just to give the just the awe of what it was like before we go into this match. How was it? How was the match? Because again, Hook versus Mojo, the other main event that was being hyped up around the same time, I was like, oh, this is the other thing we needed to test, was really good. So how was WWE's offering with the whole Jinder Mahal thing? Obviously shit. <laughs> Obviously it was. It's exactly what you thought it would be. With no illusion whatsoever. Kind of standard. Kind of fine telly main event. A win for Seth, like right before we kick into the WrestleMania gear road. This was a win for Seth. And that, that was all it was ever meant to be. It wasn't meant to be anything. Got blown all out of proportion. Suddenly you're seeing posts on social media about why Jinder Mahal should win and going through his career. It's like, no, 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 no. This is a nothing TV match just to give him a win. The, what are you doing? But like, the thing I found really interesting, they ended up doing the exact same Jinder title match as they have done every other time. It's just, now, it doesn't work. And Seth nailed the stomp for the win. It was the exact gender match. It's like, oh, we don't have the Bollywood boys. Let's bring out Veer, who's he's actually here now. Good for him. Veer came. <laughs> bring out Veer and the other one, because they need to do the Bollywood boys bit. They need to be that kind of interference, because that's how you do the gender match. And it was 
copy and paste. It was the gender match. This was bland and average. A five out of ten for me is absolutely correct. It was standard already, and they just did it again. It's just this time has been like five years before you last did it. <laughs> it's the same match again. It was the majority of the match. They did the normal, like at the end of the match, all the distractions kick in. They do the false finish collapse for Jinder Mahal. Uh, I've heard some people really liked it, and I was like, but it was the exact same as every other Jinder match. It's just this time Seth kicked out of the collapse, <laughs> and then that led into him hitting the stop. It was like, it was the exact same pattern for a Jinder match. That's why I'm not really applauding it. <laughs> They're like, it's the exact same pattern. Uh, yeah, but it's the actual interest, whilst I'm watching the match, none of it's on the match because it's boring. The actual interesting stuff is Priest, who came out with his money in the bank, and there's uh, Drew McIntyre's role, and they brawl around the ring, setting up their match with a ringside scuffle, which is going to take place next week on Monday Night Raw, uh, right before the Rumble. But yeah, this was so boring. <laughs> which, again, I felt like, you know what, Jinder Mahal might try and bring it. Last week I referenced their match back in NXT. It's like, yes, it was a long time ago, but they've shown me they can wrestle that like three-star that match. And I'm like, for this, I was like, I don't know, at max two? <laughs> at max and it's almost like they knew it would be boring because they did the different spots with the whole Drew McIntyre and Damon Free stuff. They you, they actively had them do the runaround ringside stuff. It's like, oh. like, like when there was a, during the Vince era, where there's a really boring match and they just have the 24-7 guys run around the ring. It was like, well, at least that's something. <laughs> so I think it was interesting because otherwise the other match that was in the middle of the ring was nothing. But what was grand was at the other end of the show. And maybe should have started with this. The thing which was absolutely awesome was the opening promo injecting Cody Rhodes into the Royal Rumble verse, having Drew be the one to interrupt this week instead of it being I seen Punk interrupting him. Two lads we both were, who were both labelled as destined for greatness, but instead ended up making their names outside of WWE. Both becoming so undeniable that WWE came calling back for them. Drew bringing up that Cody was his last match before re-signing for WWE in a really nice touch. That Cody told him back then that Drew will become a world champion. Now he's the one that gets to tell Cody the same thing back to him. He will finish his story and become the first of the Rhodes family to hold that WWE championship. But not until I finish my story first. <laughs> like, oh. Putting over Cody, the little thing of Drew McIntyre, even though he's this very he's a heelish character with really strong motivations, because his motivations are so strong, that means that he can get on, or at least in his mind, think that he gets on more with babyface characters. Because it's not just, these are the baddies, these are the goodies. Drew is an actual character of motivation. And then those motivations, they interact with the different, with the, you know, the characters' motivations in different ways. So, oh. But Cody's closing line, leaving Drew all sulky, sulky in anger, the last match before you joined WWE. That last match that we had. Who won? Uh, and that then led into a big hype announcement for next week where uh, Drew gets his match with Damien Priest and Cody Rhodes gets his promo with none other than CM Punk. <laughs> like, what? Uh, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> There's a lot going on in that one. They've done a really good job to make that incredibly exciting, just with these little sequences of promos. It goes back Seth and Punk, Seth and Drew, Drew and CM Punk, Drew and Cody, and now Cody Punk. But that little sequence where it's been back-to-back, -back, just going through them all. And these are the guys that are all there for the WWE Championship for this road. They could have these guys even be the final three. Or you've got your big blow-up spot for Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar style. <laughs> it's completely obliterating everything around him in anger. Because I really do like that that's still a part of his uh, character. But yeah, he's got all these different motivations. But because he's got flaws, and the other wrestlers are able to point out those flaws, 
And he, in his matches, he actively leans into those flaws so that they're re-established, they're reinforced, <laughs> that he does have these problems where he cannot blame himself. He's absolutely unable to. And Cody Rhodes, that's kind of the core of his character, is that when he looks in the mirror when something's gone wrong, he's the first man that he blames. Because, again, his whole point is to be the relatable babyface. So, of course, he's like, oh, no, Cody, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's meant to be immediate reaction. But with Drew McIntyre, he's lashing out at other people. And quite often, you can see Drew McIntyre's logic when he does like it lash out at somebody. But because he does it for everybody, and you see it in his match, where the little twist that they've made is Drew McIntyre will lose focus in his matches, and then he will start then blaming other people. When if he just kept his focus, he could have beaten Seth Rollins that other week for the title. But he blames Damian Priest for coming out. But Drew McIntyre didn't have to go out and attack him. <laughs> that was a decision he made. Or he lost concentration in his anger. That's not a problem with Damian Priest. That's a problem with him. <laughs> Obviously, though, this is building up Cody to put him into the Bumble first. I think I said it last week that Cody wrapping up his stuff with Shinsuke has then meant when he is injected into the Rumbleverse, there's a lot of interesting dynamics at play. That's what this was. This was just making sure everybody knows. By the way, this is really interesting, guys. <laughs> all these different characters, all these different dynamics. Yeah, this is really interesting. And ne next week, <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching and covering uh, Cody and CM Punk's talk. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, big hype, big hype. And uh, finally... Mammy versus the man teased. Uh, both want characters to say they want the match at WrestleMania. Calling this foreshadowing would be an understatement. <laughs> if the, if Becky Lynch wins the Rumble, then you can point to this segment and be like, uh, you didn't exactly foreshadow it more than you went, oh, Becky Lynch is winning, by the way, guys, <laughs> in this segment. That's what, really what it felt like. It's like We all know, as an audience, what the match is. There's just something about this segment which just... It, it wasn't foreshadowing. It was more saying this will happen. <laughs> Maybe that's a genius way to then not have her win. Instead, you set up the SmackDown match and you have Becky Lynch lose and have to go on a journey because you did your job here to make the fans want it as well and the characters want it so that motivation is there for both people to get to the match at WrestleMania. Yeah, you put up multiple votes. But if she does win, it's not foreshadowing when it's this. <laughs> when it's this strong. Anyway, let's now move on to... NXT. No love being shown by some on this brand as we inch closer to our next premium live event, Vengeance Day, two weeks from Sunday. Welcome to NXT. What? What? Trick Williams saved a man's life. Jesus Christ. Like a dive without enough rotation. Caught by Trick like an experienced veteran. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> that was sorry, that was nearly so bad. Uh, absolutely exceptional catch by Trick. It, just in a, a tournament tag team match where the whole point was meant to be like exciting high flying and people diving or, or, or like left and right, whatever. Like a rookie's impressive display against a more established Trick and Carmelo. And one of the dives. Oh. <laughs> good God, good God. NXT this week was a very low-key NXT. I've legitimately got three segments and one of them is just me talking about Oberfemi in a... He's great, isn't he? <laughs> really not a lot to talk about. There was this spot in this match, which like, wasn't wasn't really a lot for me to comment on anyway. Uh, Trick Williams' catch, yeah, the, they, won the they won the match. Uh, the other team, uh, I felt like... Because uh, it's one of those matches where there's a lot of high-flying stuff, but it felt a little bit jittery for the more rookie team, one guy in particular. But when it came to the dive stuff... It almost felt like for the second half of the match, they switched where the guy who'd been less composed had suddenly he started clicking and it all started working. He was naming everything. And the other guy, he mucked up and he nearly necked himself. I was like, good God, good God. But Trick Williams' reaction was incredible. 
as in watching that, you you would have assumed like he's the he's a veteran who's been doing this for years and years. I mean, that says why he shot at the card. He's got that kind of instinct. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a scary moment, and everybody's fine. Uh, speaking of being fine, is it too early to jump on the hype train? You know what? No, fuck it. Oberfemi's the guy, <laughs> my friends. <laughs> Oberfemi is the man. Whatever it is, he has absolutely got it. Last week, I was trying to write down loads of Nigerian footballers for the bit. <laughs> Choose the best ones. <laughs> the one I didn't do was Oberfemi Martins because I felt he's called Oberfemi. I can't do Oberfemi Martins. <laughs> no, that's too on the nose. <laughs> but yeah, he's a guy. He's the man. He's got the. I mean, we look at Omos, big guy, or Vaughn Strowman, where he's another one where the main selling point is, oh, big. Strowman's at least got a bit of that. Anyone who listens to charges at someone is that scary pace when he charges at them. Strowman's got at least some of that where when he just runs quickly, there is just that big guy kind of feel to it. Omos doesn't have that. He can't move anywhere near quick enough. He's too big. Oberfemi feels like the absolute dream where he is absolutely massive and a huge unit. But he can, not only that, he can also talk, which arguably like Omos 100% cannot. <laughs> and Braun Strowman... Yeah, he can do the shouty 80s stuff, but, you know, anything more than that, and it's, you know, it's not great. <laughs> but when it comes to Obafemi, oh, it feels like he's got a really calm charisma about him, which, it, for a man his size, oh, that's incredible. And the fact that he is both so powerful and so athletic as well. You watch Omos, and you don't, you wonder if he's ever going to take a bump. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, can you take them? Obafemi's like, no, this guy can generally go. And he's huge, and he's quick and athletic, and he's calm and composed on the mic. Uh, the way that he played with the crowd here as well, and just lent into their chance rather than getting sh- uh, kind of shook by them. Oh, that was it. Was, I just watched this. I was just like, "You are so early into your NXT run, and you are this composed and this good." <laughs> I'm not saying that he's like the guy putting him in the rumble now. Like I'm not saying that, but I am saying like in a, f- in a couple of years, this is going to be a huge guy in the main roster. Let him develop. Let him breathe. It could be a big deal. Uh, the other thing was the uh, main event to decide Larry Vickery's uh, main contender for Vengeance Day. And, uh, but with Core Jade's injury, we then got a Battle Royale to determine... Well, Battle Royale, which then led into a Fatal 4-Way to determine the new contender. But before that, Larry Vickery herself got herself a loyal minion. <laughs> like Athena and Billy already getting tribute stacks. It's not even been a month. Paxley dressing like Valkyrie... Uh, wait, I feel like, did I call her Tyra Valkyrie? Lyra Valkyria. In my notes, I have written it correctly, but I always write Tyre Valkyrie first. <laughs> just because it's just like, the names are so similar to such a point where I always write the other one down before. I was like, no, go back. <laughs> That's not who it is. Uh, Paxley dressing like Valkyria and excitedly mimicking her entrance, trying to make her like this lovable little mini character. She's the one to take the beating to give Valkyria the hot tag. Like She gives the champion the momentum to seem like the bigger deal in the match. And she's the one to take the bullet. Just a lot to make Paxley that lovable, loyal minion. But you know what? That final spot absolutely worked. <laughs> it was so good. Paxley taking Lola Vice's spin kick finisher right to her face, taking the bullet and falling out cold to get the win on the other one. <laughs> it's just like, that was so well done. It's like, oh, you know what? This could be a good bit of fun. <laughs> a good bit of fun. Uh, speaking of a good bit of fun, uh, about royal time. Who's getting that Vengeance Day spot with the champion? The people who got their highlights in this match are Lash Legend, as she got her strength highlighted. Kalani Jordan, too, getting the Kofi Wiley elimination escape. Jumped to the announce table, walked the barricade during commercial. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you set up the how she going to get through this, and then it happened during commercial. It's like, oh, okay. 
All right then. <laughs> uh, Lola Vice all hailing it up after tearing apart her team, but Paxley is still there as a loyal minion for our champion. Blair Davenport with the angry post-elimination murder of Petrovich. She got the uh, post-elimination angry destroying spot. Ariana Grace acting like eliminating the knocked out Petrovich was like the greatest achievement in the world. <laughs> I, I've talked about how much I, I love the Ariana Grace and her character. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's such it's such a good little comedy gimmick. <laughs> it works so well. Thea Hale as well getting a focus too, like one of the few with an entrance. It's like, oh, so you're going to be an important one in this match. And getting a nice moment run of fire. Roxanne Perez made it to the final six with no spots until that moment. <laughs> like, good for her. You took no bumps. <laughs> good for you. You got that far doing nothing. <laughs> good for you. I don't even think Roxanne got an entrance. I, don't, I see if she was just there after the ad break and then didn't do anything until the final six. Our fatal four-way then fell to Kalani Jordan, Kiana James, Roxanne Perez, and Fallon Henley. Izzy Dane saving Kiana James from Jordan's pop-up moonsault, but Pop Vox from Perez code-redded Jordan into her, snatching the win. Roxanne Perez is now going to face Laya Valkyria, I pause to say it correctly. <laughs> you can't have a name that close to Taya Valkyrie. <laughs> Not expect me to struggle. Valkyria getting her contender for Vengeance Day in the form of Roxanne Perez. So yeah, that's fun exciting. And I rewatched the Women's Rumble last week and completely forgot that, oh yeah, Roxanne Perez was in there after becoming NXT champions. Like, oh, it feels really weird. <laughs> Something about the NXT verse where I remember seeing that, but that because I wasn't watching at the time, it's like a weird time warp that doesn't feel like it was that long ago. It feels like Roxanne Perez joined after, like so like, not that long ago, but she was champion by that point. Anyway, that is the end of the review. NXT, also not a massive amount happening. They did the uh, Battle Royal. Uh, they continued the tag team tournament for the guys. And uh, Obafemi is fantastic. <laughs> he is everything. He is my reason for watching NXT. Anyway, with that, I say thank you for listening, liking, engaging in any form, any manner. Always appreciated. Never take it for granted. I'll be back next week when hopefully my breathing is a little bit better because I can feel it this week where I... I'm really struggling in between every single sentence. So hopefully if there was like a little bit of like, it just doesn't feel like I'm as invested in what I'm talking about. I was like, I'm, I'm having a bad, bad breathing day. <laughs> Somewhat struggling to breathe whilst I'm doing the show. So be happy you're even getting me. <laughs> That's it. Be affectionate to your fans, <laughs> to your listeners. There, yeah. You're lucky guys. You're lucky you're even getting me. Anyway, I'll be back for next week. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.